Hey guys, welcome to the American Hard Enduro podcast, season two, episode four. This is Will Preston. I'm here with Drew Kirby, and we're back in your office. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, are we? Within, I guess we're within six feet of each other, maybe yeah, four or five. Yeah. After this weekend, I think we <laughs> we we've gotten past it. In Tennessee, luckily things have opened up. We're uh, we're allowed to move freely. Right on. So. All right, this last weekend we went down to uh, Holly Tree, Alabama for the COVID Crusher Extreme Hair Scramble. It was a hard enduro. It was a hard yeah, enduro. There was no, nothing hair scrambling but, about it. But we want to back up a weekend and talk about the Iowa hard enduro. Um, I'm not even sure what city in Iowa was in. Does it matter? It was in Iowa. I know that. Yeah, and apparently they do have some hard enduro stuff in Iowa, according to talking to Nick Ferringer, Ferringer and Chuck DeLula. Quinn Winsel, uh, those guys went up there. Um, what did you hear about it, Drew? Well, from talking to everyone, they were walking the track on, I don't know, what was the race, Saturday? Or was the race Sunday? I know it was on live laps. It was Either one. Either one. Um, they said it was a lot like the Rev Women, or you kind of had a lower shelf and an upper shelf, and there was a lot of up and down. Um, and then I've watched a few helmet cams, and it looked like there was some good stuff in the main race. They did, did like a, a hot lap. Then they did a qualifier race, and then they did the main race. And for the main race, they added in some good stuff. What well, did Ryder LeBlond win the hot lap? Yeah, he won the hot lap. So, so he he's a GNCC fast dude. Fast dude. So um, he he got out there. He did well. Um, you know, you're, you're the, the names that always do well in these races um, seem to be there. So, but the biggest news yes. of the whole race. Let's get to that. Team Sherka. Team Sherka. I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about which Sherka rider. Well, Sherco, that, that's what I was me. implying. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So, Pat Smaj, Smaje, however mm-hmm. you want to say it, um, you know, multi-time national trials champion, making the switch over to Hard Enduro. Yeah. And it was big news. And, you know, that was once we found out about it, we're all texting each other and, hey, how's he going to do? <laughs> what do you think? And, I mean, from what I heard, he showed up with a bike that was... Um, kind of beat... I don't want to say beat, but Chuck just said that he didn't have a new rear tire. The brake pads were kind of <laughs> low. and uh, His levers were even, bent. I think his levers were bent. He wouldn't even accept a new tire from Chuck, and he still goes out and gets second place. So, I mean. Yeah, and I, I heard he gave Quinn a run for his money. Um, and I get Quinn won. Yes. I Quinn, guess Quinn Winsel. He, won, Winsel, he yes. won the race, followed by Pat Smage, and then Nick Farringer. Uh, coming in kind of a distant third. So we were like, what is going on with Nick? So I don't know if he, the, what I also heard was there was a lot of trials E obstacles. Okay. So you could, you know, obviously Quinn and Pat are trials riders. Yeah. So, and again, this is coming from mainly Chuck. So, and and we know Chuck's got a big trials background on the pegs a lot. Oh yeah. Those four, that four wheel trials, Those four wheel trials. Uh, but, but back to uh, fourth place was Ryder LeBlanc, and then Chuck DeLula was uh, rounded out the top five and fifth, which it just never ceases to amaze us. Uh, so, and I heard, I heard they had around a hundred entries. Yep, is I think that it was right at a hundred is the number I heard. That's kind so. of the the magic number for these races. Um, I mean, kind of the first year deal. A um, hundred's not bad. Uh, I'm sure they would much rather have two hundred. Yep. Um, it was the first year, right? It was the first year, and we're coming off of this whole COVID nineteen thing. Um, yep. So I'm and sure it had been um, uh, what's the word postponed from its original date, right? And, and, and they put of, it on Mother's Day. Yes, that was what it was. It was on Mother's Day. Yeah, weekend, that's why so. I couldn't go. Yeah, and I mean it was a ten hour drive, which I mean at this time I was ready to drive ten hours because there's nothing going on. But right. again, it was Mother's Day, and we obviously had plans. Yeah, I think Mother's Day. Might have hurt their attendance by 50%. Yeah. And I think rescheduling. I mean, everything's so tight right now, especially now that things are opening back up, and we'll go into the schedule later. Um, but, but that's better than having canceled it. Yes, because that, that is something we've noticed a lot of the, the West Coast and the the West Extreme yeah. series has pretty much either postponed or canceled most of their stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, it's horrible. IRC Enduro Fest, which was supposed to happen in May, has been postponed. Mm-hmm. Hopefully those guys um, will get it figured out. And in that event, we went to that one last year in Reno, yep. Nevada. Super fun, beautiful. Matt Musgroves, he puts on a great show. We'd love to go back to that one. Um, so hopefully that one will still happen. But the Prairie Dogs last standing, last dog standing, which was scheduled for June, which it's not even June yet, canceled. Mm-hmm. 
And then, unfortunately, the other WEC race, the WEC in Kellogg, Idaho, Sticks and Stones, which is late June, yep. has also been canceled. So, um, And I know a lot of people were bummed because, I mean, we... Gavin. We a, yeah, well, Gavin and Amanda were headed out there and, and they were getting and They were getting married Yeah, there. they were going to get married, uh, yeah. married out there. Right. So, um, but anyway, so let's go back to... I think we're done with the island. We got most of the details that we know. Again, not yeah, we there. weren't there, but um, it was cold and rainy on Sunday because the qualifying stuff was Saturday. Right. And Sunday they said it turned really cold and rainy. Huh. Little so, little Midwest weather action. It reminded me of the Rev Limiter. You saw everyone bundled up and uh, yeah, looking really cold. So. Okay, so where we went this past weekend, it was not cold. However, it was rainy. Oh my gosh! So we we got down there. Um, was it, did we get there Friday? You guys got down Friday, yep. Friday, we got there before dark, uh, walked some of the trail, and there were two main creeks that were of interest. And um, to be honest with you, walking it, the, the traction felt like it was there on this, like, granite rock. I this mean, limestone flat Limestone. Rock. Yes. Oh. Okay. But <laughs> once you got up above the creek, it was obvious the the almost like clay it's it was a, sort of a georgia like to me red. it was like ohio black dirt it was so slick and when it got on the rocks and the roots it became ice and that was for me my least favorite part was i think it was called meltdown mountain and it was like you were snaking <laughs> up between these awesome rock formations the property's beautiful never been there before um so when we actually got down there were storms all day Friday. It was hit and miss storms. I bet we got two or three inches of rain. And we were coming in at like almost midnight. And of course, we're 10 minutes away and there's a tree across the road on a two-lane road. So luckily, my wife and I were able to drag it out of the way. So <laughs> I'm sure I thought, it was all Leah. That was all Leah. I thought I honestly thought we were camping in the middle of this road for the night. But uh, anyway, so yeah, we, we got there and we woke up to rain. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah, and it it stopped for a while until the race started. It was um, the race started at ten central, um, three classes. It's a typical seer race: gold, silver, and bronze. Gold and um, silver run the same course. Yeah, bronze has a little bit easier course. Yeah, I and mean, hair scramble start. I think we were two minutes apart, and um, and we went through what like three or four turns, and then we went straight into the first creek. Will was talking about Nico's Valley. Yeah, and and off the start. I, I had my typical mid-pack start and went into the first turn, and guess what? There's a rider down in the middle of the first turn. Who is it? Uh, well, I had a really good start, and Gilliland, <laughs> definitely not his fault, but we did a hard left, and we had a 180-degree right turn, and there was a barrel, and he pinched me off at the barrel, and my weight was leaning to the outside, and yeah, I went down. So I wait for Drew to stand up. Um, no one ran me over. I thought I, Chuck had I me. thought about it. Chuck I was like, me. man, I was squared up on you. Ugh. And I mean, I think there were close to 30 bikes on our row. I think so 27 is what I heard. That's close to 30. That's, sorry. Anyways, um, so then we, like Drew said, first three or four turns, and then you're right into Nico's Creek, one of the toughest sections of the race. Yeah, and it was a pretty good bottleneck. Um, but yeah. It was, again, we walked it, and it wasn't that, didn't seem to be that bad. And I don't know, it just, it was chaos. And, you know, we were, I somehow came out of there in, like, seventh. But there was just people everywhere. And there was one main bottleneck, and there was a high line that a couple people hit. And, and I know Chase Bishop made it beautiful on his Sherco. Oh, yeah. Until he got up there, and he lost his balance and fell in the hole. Break his, broke his front brake perch. Mm. Um, and so that kind of wiped him out. But And then I think JoJo Tool made it that way. And, of course, we're all in there just revving and gunning. Yeah, and, and so I, I think Jason Gilliland came out of there with the lead. Stephen Edmondson. Stephen Edmondson. Yep, I okay. was watching some helmet footage. He got the whole shot, and, I mean, he was nice. gone for a while. Well, and then Quinn Winsell was following closely behind, and Nick was like – Nick Farringer was like yep. mid-pack – yeah, he was, he was, I got to that first spot where I said Chase crashed and Nick was right there. Um, and so he, he was down quite a bit and it turns out Quinn ended up on the first lap with like a six and a half minute lead. And, um, according to Nick talking to him later, he broke two or three spokes and he could hear him hitting the chain. <laughs> and I think he was worried they were going to take his brakes out. So he actually stopped, unthreaded the spokes from the nipple and then, um, Took got him out. going again. Yeah, just took them out. Said they were broken, so he just unscrewed them and popped them out. I guess you could run with two fewer spokes. Well, he said there's, what, 36? He figured since we're not doing Supercross, he'd be okay. <laughs> well, and there was a little bit of a mishap with some of the arrowing 
at an AB split line, yep. or excuse me, like the gold, silver, yep. bronze split line. And the gold class was supposed to go down this gnarly hill, make a horseshoe, and come back up this awful meltdown mountain creek. Yes. Well, the first six riders missed the turn because yep. there was no course worker there. And I guess they didn't have it marked really well. So they went on. And then the course worker got there. The seventh rider, who happened to be Drew Kirby. Yes. He gets sent down the hill. Uh, could yeah. clearly tell no one had been down this hill. And then when we get to the bottom and look back up, I was like, they would have been on this hill. And there was nobody. So it wasn't their fault. Because they yeah, literally, it, it wasn't poorly marked. They did not mark it. And they it, realized this later. It kind of reminds me what happened at um, Enduro Fest a couple years ago yeah. when... Cody and everyone just went the wrong way. Yeah, it, just, yeah. it happens. And, and that might have been my fault, actually. <laughs> well, <laughs> truth comes out a year later. But anyways, um, yeah. so but looking back, so we the the only thing fair we could figure was to look at my GoPro, see how long it took me to do it, and then add that time to those guys, and it didn't matter. No, it turned out no it, it was six minutes is what it took me to get down and up. Well, and I was probably I don't know I was probably the twentieth rider through there, or, or after Drew, probably there were ten or twelve in front of me. Yep, and. Instead of it taking six minutes, it took me 40 minutes. I heard a lot of people had... Um, I was in that hole forever, and it was just... You couldn't get a run, and you moved two feet, and then well, push, and I think push, push. I had push. the advantage of, like, fresh traction yeah, for once. because didn't hurt. I've never been the first one there. Um, sorry, my Siri just decided to turn on. Um, so, anyway, but the rest of the course, it was five miles. I think I did two and a half laps or three laps, and I had 11 miles on my bike. Right. And it was brutal. Yeah, it, it was brutal. The... Actually, the creeks, the yes. two main creeks, I enjoyed immensely. It looked like would be the hardest things were probably the most fun. But the just just uh, almost a flat, barely off camber, you know, dirt single track with baby head rocks mixed in that didn't move. Yep, was the hardest thing was trying to go straight for me. Like yeah. I, it was just pushing me to the right, pushing me to the left. You yep. know, getting rutted. And I think you described it best. Tell us about your lap by lap feelings on how what happened between you and the bike. The first lap, the bike rode me. Okay. The second lap, I felt like I rode the bike. I yep. had a pretty good ride. <laughs> the third lap, we took turns. <laughs> uh, I rode off. it for a little while, then it would ride me. Well, it was funny. My first lap was was okay. My second lap, I had fun. It was, and, and this is something we can talk about. It started raining, and you know, yes, we we have a friend who always says it's better to ride when it's raining than when it stops raining because when it stops raining, it kind of everything gets more tacky. It doesn't wash your tires, wash the rocks, and it it's never gotten so slick to me when it stopped raining. Well, I am a um, civil engineer with a little bit of a geotechnical background okay so my theory is that the fine particles in the dirt okay when it rains get washed to the bottom the coarse material comes up okay you get really good traction on the coarse materials Roger. the sand the bigger rocks those fines get washed away so as it's raining the traction gets amazing but then when it stops raining those fines come back to the top everything just runs back together and the coarse material sinks and that's when you, it gets so slick again that's okay. my theory all right well from a dumb guy like me, it got slick. <laughs> it was definitely yes. slick. It, it was funny. So we will. So the next morning before the race, we got up and we, of course, if you're racing, you get up early and we're on Eastern time anyway, versus Central real, where the real race time. was. Well, real time. And we walked this one little, it was um, Copperhead Creek right above scoring. And we, the creek would go up until you hit like something impossible and they would send you out onto the dirt off camber and around and then back into the creek. Like a 20 foot waterfall impossible. Yeah. Impossible. Impossible. So there was one section Will and I walked in and we we're like, man, this is steep. We don't know if we're going to be able to get up it. We're looking at alternates. You literally blasted right. I blasted yeah, right up. It. So yeah, easy. So easy. Every time I got there, I thought about that. Yep. But, um, but no, it, we actually, there was a bunch of good, Patsy Davis and Larry Mayo were both there taking pictures. So if you guys were there, look, um, check them out on the interwebs. They've got a lot of good stuff. And we've actually got a pretty good interview we did with Nick Farringer later on in the evening after the race that we'll insert at some point. Yeah, and it, it was pretty late and we may have been sitting around the campfire for a little while. Yeah, Not Nick, but the rest of us. Slightly dehydrated. So, yeah. So why don't we just go ahead and play that interview now, and uh, we'll be right back. Alright. Hey, this is Will with American Hard Enduro. We are here with Nick Farringer. Um, we experienced the COVID crusher 
at Holly Tree Off-Road Park today. So first question, on a scale from 1 to 10, how slick was it? I'd say it was a 8.9. What in the world would get you a 10? I mean, I just, uh, it was insanely slippery, but there, there was some traction in the madness. But it, it, was, it was up there with pretty darn slick. I mean, fairly unrideable if you weren't just hitting, hitting your moves. It, yeah. What, what did you think of the creek sections? Um, I mean, I, I think it was limestone. Um, I actually really enjoyed the creek sections. What did you think? So the first lap, the creek sections were wicked slippery. It seems like as traction got, as, as traffic came across the, uh, as we got traffic into the uh, those limestone kind of creek sections, definitely traction got better. I totally just lost it. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, Drew Kirby has, has joined the conversation here. Um, we're just talking about the COVID crusher. Well, did you crush COVID today? We'll know in 10 to 14 days. I was going to say in two weeks. we could. Uh, in two we'll weeks, we'll know for sure. Well, Gary Barr, Derek Bratcher, Hunter Williams, these guys here at Sear have been doing a pretty good job. And, you know, we've noticed that you're, you're usually at the top of the leaderboard of these things. Um, are, are you planning on pretty much running this whole series? Yeah, I, I am now. I, particularly, there was one event that there was a conflict with the Sasquatch at the end of June. That's a GPS navigation race Sear does. And uh, it sounded really just cool to me, like a cool event. Just let's, let's go try this, something different, kind of an adventure. But that overlapped with the Sticks and Stones race in Idaho, um, which I had my heart set on going to Idaho. It's kind of one in my book. You went last year, right? Yeah, I went last year and had a good time. And I wanted to make some changes to go be competitive. Um, so anyway, long story short, they canceled Sticks and Stones. So now I have the availability to be at Sasquatch, do the GPS race. I've been trying to gear up for that. And I think I can be at most of the rest of them. So I've been doing a bad job at following series and championships recently. So. Well, things are a little crazy at the moment. Yeah, it is so crazy. It's like a moving target. Okay, so for all the uh, amateur hard enduro guys out there, tell us a little bit about your tire setup today. Um, I'm, I'm sure y'all are going to figure this out. It, it rained the night before. It rained during the event. This place is super slick. The The mud is just like, I don't know, it's almost like Vaseline. It's so slick. Yeah, it's wild because there's just like flat, slick rocks just compacted into the slick dirt. So it's like a it's like a slippery, uneven cobblestone road on a hill. Like just it's messed up. Definitely. Well, in, in Hunter – Williams told us the night before, um, he was like, the, the problem is you really have to watch where you put your front tire because as soon as you lose traction, there is a rock that makes it impossible to get going again. So it's just, it's almost like somebody went and placed rocks around this place just to make it very difficult. But anyways, what tires were you running? I was running a Kenda Washugal front and a, the new Kenda gnarly rear. And Ooh. Beyond that, I had a. I'm calling it the mullet. It was a. You uh, say the mullet. The mullet. It is business similar to what you've got going on here. Business up front, party in the back. Okay. Got the tubeless system up front, so I can, I can set a good pressure, have that good good feel. Then I put a you know a soft mousse in the back, which can just it can take a beating, and there's nothing's going to happen to it. And and I I like tubeless, but I also. When we're running these gummy hard enduro tires, they're susceptible to tears. Um, well, which gnarly seems to be a little more susceptible, from what I've noticed. It's, it's, it's got a softer carcass. It's thin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you mind telling us what? How many pounds you're running in the front? I was running eight today, just because I, I, that's where it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I I ran an Ibex front today, and I was running nine pounds, and. Um, I mean, I was all over the place. I don't know um, if it was just the mud or what, but holy cow, just trying to go in a straight line was very difficult today on the um, on the single track. But I think that was for everyone. Yeah, I I specifically thought at one point on the course that uh, I could use an Ibex front tire. But the uh, I was happy with the Wash Eagle. I thought less pressure would have been better to kind of get some more 
uh, you know, more supple kind of tra- tracking across right. the rocks and things. But uh, in this, like, the way the dirt, the soil here is real, like, hard-packed slick. So some of it was chewy, but then there was some hard slick. If you go too soft on a tire, it, it balls up, I think. <laughs> I was going to say, we had some, I had some issues with packing in the tire. So I didn't know with the Ibex front how gun, like packed up it got. Because after it stopped raining on the third lap, it was gooey and sticky and tacky. Well, that that one downhill before um, Meltdown Mountain or whatever, I felt like my Ibex rear was packing up so bad that I was gaining speed. You know, I was full on just locked on front end rear, and I just felt like I was gaining speed down that hill. So I... I mean, I wonder if the you said there was the gnarly. Yeah. I wonder if the gnarly clears that, you know, gawky, gawky, whatever crap, um, mud a little better than than the ibex. I don't know. It it has maybe similar spacing, but the knobs are they're not as tall, right? Probably half the height, really. I don't know. Is it FIM FIM tire? Yeah, and it's it's more spread out. It's not the the gauntlet. Is it the one with the little knobs or the It's the knobs? little knobs. Okay, so then, it's, it's yes, actually an intermediate. It's an intermediate tread pattern of the FIM tire range than the gummy. Where I think the gauntlet looks more that, aggressive. Like it, it would have been a better tire today because it's a slightly firmer compound hmm. and it's a little more aggressive knobs. So I think it would have dug into the dirt better and it would have, yeah, it, it would have been still plenty sticky. So I don't know. I, I haven't tried it yet. But. Okay, so um, we had some American Heart Enduro reporters on the scene today, and from what I heard, Jason Gilliland got the uh, the early lead, and then um, I guess Quinn Wenzel got by Jason, and um, he had a pretty good gap on you there that first lap. What was going on? I was, uh, yeah, I playing the hair scramble racer, I guess, uh, card until I got to the first obstacle. I'm good at this. I'm just all in mail until I get the first obstacle then just hit it like a brick and I just, <laughs> it's like I have to uh, I don't know get the juices flowing or something so Quinn was gone and I'm you know there's riders bouncing off each other on we, this just we were bottlenecked in that first we knew the, the riders bouncing off one another okay yes. I, I mean I was leading the stuckness in the <laughs> in the bottleneck and somebody, I guess somebody had hit my rear wheel because as soon as I got to the top, I heard a click, 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 click. I was like, I have a broken spoke. And I checked and it's actually a, a nipple, a spoke nipple had sheared off. And then after I got going, found another one. So I, I had to un- unthread the nipple and pull them out. So I, I didn't want them causing a mechanical issue this early into a three to four hour race. So I, I think that was a large part of my time deficit on Quinn on the first lap. Because as I started going rolling, somebody said, he's at the top of that hill. I think it was a lap and a half later. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right, but as I went, I started seeing them, and then it turned into a. We actually we had a battle yep, going on yeah. for. Um, well, when you guys lapped me, um, y'all were freaking. It, it, it was awesome. It was at the they they ended up rerouting the meltdown mountain hill, and so everybody went to the right of there. And, and it was a free for all. And it was a free for all, but it was still super gnarly. Well, when you got to the top, it was so bad. just chunky, like baby head rocks bigger than that really and, and just kind of ledgy yeah. just real slick and i waited at the top because I, I saw y'all coming and and then quinn went by and then you went oh, by yeah. we traded places on that once right. we yeah detoured to the right and we, we kind of had the free-for-all there were two like large rock feature yep. kind of like on the way up just just big chunky patches of rectangular rock on a hill then you clear out get to the next one and then we dropped straight into we, we picked a line where we'd cross this like rocky chundery stream that that was just as brutal gnarly and well i really thought that would have been a horrible line and i was there and you went that way and kept going and i was like huh maybe i should have gone that way my way was much worse yeah i i well and the funny thing about this place is it's not very steep the hills i mean you look at them you're like oh that's not that bad but man it's so slick so slick yeah I'd say this train, I'll just say it's very rideable. Like, you go someplace in the country, you can't just point the bike up and go. Here, no, for sure, everything, traction considered, can be, you can ride up it. But today, I was seeking out places to kind of pivot and, and kind of cut the camber back just to, but then you couldn't ride it off camber because you just, so. There was a lot of doggy paddles. There was no charging going on. Yeah. No. So The I, second I lap was pretty good. The third lap was 
Well, once it started Chaos. raining, I felt like, I don't know, the fines went away and the course material came to the top and there was traction available. I felt like that too. I've kind of historically recognized that when it's raining during a race, the tires stay clear, cleared out. Yep. The slimy kind of real fine stuff that makes things greasy rinses away. So all that's left is grit and gravel and rock. And course actually, if, if you look for flowing water, you will wheelie your way up it. <laughs> Until Loop the it third out. lap. Or our third. See, you keep, third you're lap. speaking when laps. It, <laughs> when it stopped raining and it tacked up. See, the, 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 the problem is Nick made five laps or six. I mean, I 10, know. 15. I don't know how many laps you made, but. Maybe five or six. We were, pen, or we, we were there was some kind of penalty because we missed something on the first lap. No I don't, comment. No comment. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think Drew Kirby <laughs> might have been the only person that properly yeah. rode the course on the, the first, first lap. One. The first one that <laughs> let everyone behind. Yeah. Not their fault because they didn't mark the trail. They, they were short of an A and a B. Stuff happens, right? Yeah. It would have been logical for Drew Kirby to follow the pack. <laughs> but but there, was a, there was, there was instead, a gentleman. Instead, he must have been a very large man. Instead, he pulled a Karen. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> Well, it turns out there was a gentleman stopping me, telling me to go this way. He had a machete, apparently. Yeah, and he had a large machete. Wow. And he said, the trail is that way. I was so, like, cut you. So, <laughs> long story short, I went the entire course. And it was only a six-minute difference and a lot of wasted energy. But you guys did well. Oh, no. So, anyways, we're sitting here. It, it is the night of the race it is raining it, it you know it's pouring my generator i can hear it right now yep. i need to fill it's it up struggling. with gas so um we're gonna cut this pretty quick but um off goes the generator okay so we can keep talking but anyways <laughs> so what's next for uh for nick are you you tough like roy your next big race no he's got another the sasquatch oh yeah That's sasquatch yes yeah, uh series that's the end of june and i don't know if there's a weekend between that and and uh, tough like roar. No, no. Oh, where is Wait, no, where is the 20? Sasquatch? Is it here? I don't it's a know. CMRA. Oh. It's okay. a GPS, and here's the big deal. Nick has been coached by J Lo. Right? Is J Lo? J Lo? J Lo? Justin. What's his last name? Love. Love. <laughs> <laughs> on on what to do. So, did he give you any good tips? <laughs> I wouldn't stop with that. <laughs> But, uh, Hopefully he didn't give you the one tip. He gave you multiple. He he really kind of just helped show me that you need the topo, you know, topo lines on the GPS to that would make sense. So help you figure out where to go. That, that's the biggest thing is I've I've figured out the equipment to get. I got Garmin Etrex 30s. Yep. Oh, uh, I've got the got. the two ride uh, little rubber boots. With, yeah. They have the mounting holes. And is then, that Norm uh, Levy's company? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, so between the two of us, we've each got one. So that'll work for two, right? We'll just ride together. It's a team race, right? Team race. No, no, this is an individual race. <laughs> oh, darn it. Okay, never mind. Oh. So I've been telling everybody, you go to the Garmin factory outlet and you get some used or some some refurbished. Refurbished, yep, that's it. They're, they're, refurbished. Yeah. Where is the Garmin factory outlet? It's yeah. on the dot com. <laughs> okay. Poor Chuck. He'll never find it. Speaking of Chuck, oh, I mean, Chuck DeLula, he ran third today. And, I mean, the dude just continues to... I mean, I don't think we can say enough about him. He's killing it. Yeah, and I can't say there was a lack of competition either. Just speaking, you know, was it did Steven Edmondson get fourth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he ended up fifth. Uh, Gillan got fourth. Okay. Jason Gillan, but we're not sure what happened because huh. Gillan okay. never lapped me, but Edmondson lapped me with Chuck when I was laying on the ground one time. Maybe another time you lay on the ground, you just didn't notice somebody running right over you. Uh, I'm pretty sure I remember that. But anyway, moving on. So, ch- yes. So, who, who got six through eighth? No comment. No comment? Okay. I don't know. How would you? <laughs> don't care about people behind you. <laughs> You're the first or the last, Nick. I, I was coming up a hill, and somebody, I had lost my footing pretty good. I crashed. <laughs> I right. crashed in front of this guy, and uh, I, I passed him, and then I crashed in front of him. And he's just like... Hey man, are there any more? Are you coming? And I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, any more awesome I dudes? took the time to. He's like, are there any more pros coming? I'm like, if they are, they're behind me. They're behind me, and I don't care. <laughs> he's like, well, I just want to make sure I'm out of the way. He's like, I just want to make sure I'm out of the way, and I just 
Like I carried, I carried. There's off. no one else. I'm on my last lap. Do whatever you got to do. Right. Get sideways. One of the first people I lapped asked, "Are you a pro?" And I said, "No, this is my first one." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. Well. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of American Hard Enduro at the races. Um, Holly Tree, any any last thoughts? It was really slick. Super slippery. Um, he, he gave it an 8.9 before you came oh, out just, of 10. Just arbitrary. It, it, I've, it's not ice, but, I mean, it, you had to work for it. I called it Vaseline. Yeah, there was a lot. Enjoyed it. I think it was a good course. Yeah, it was, it was a fun day. Only one here. I'm I'm one of the only ones that rode the whole course. <laughs> Considering how many more laps than you I did, I'd say I rode that. I rode that. No, no. I literally, touché, touché. I literally rode that line as many times as you did. Kirby made first tracks on the hardest line of the day. So awesome. I mean, come on. I know what Cody. That oh, is admirable. Me. I know what Nick feels when he goes up something like there's so much traction and it took everyone else a long time. So yeah. congratulations, nice win. Hard uh, fought. It, it was it was it was a tough one. It I'm glad the streak's over. Came down to <laughs> came down to great. All right, on that note. <laughs> yeah, so once again, Nick Farringer, first place at the uh, COVID Crusher, followed by Quinn Winsel and Chuck Delula. So uh, that's pretty much it, and we'll see you guys on the trail. So that was pretty entertaining, and um, I guess that's pretty much the end of our COVID crusher discussion. You got anything else? No, it's pretty cool. So Drew Dobbs did a little recap video, and it was um, actually picked up by Enduro 21. And uh, I guess they dubbed, and there's a quote, the only hard Enduro in the world. So I, I hope that's an accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was the only hard Enduro in the world. That day? That day. Right. So, well, it, I don't know if we said this, but final results, uh, Nick Farringer, Quinn Winsel, yep. Chuck Galula in third, Steven Edmondson fourth, and Jason Gilliland wrapping up the top five. Sounds good. How'd you end up, Drew? I ended up eighth. Where were you at? I ended up ninth. So um, we were yeah, back to back, struggling. It was it was a struggle. I was cramping, and I mean, I stopped. Had pickle juice. There was lap three up Meltdown Mountain. I melted down. Oh, how about the creek? Did you drown your oh, bike? No. Well, yes, but not there. <laughs> so let's back up to the moment when I realized none of the guys in front of me took that line. I was. It messed with me, and I was upset. But then I was like, it's not their fault, but I'm still upset because we're struggling to get up this hill. So the rest of that lap, I was kind of like mentally worrying about Did it. Did anybody pass you the rest of that lap? No. I well, never got passed all day that I knew of. That's cool. So until someone, Jeremiah Burkhart, passed me at the towards the end of my third lap, and I thought he was lapping me, but it turns out it was for position. For so, position. Yeah, Bummer. that's my own fault. So anyway, that's in my head this whole lap, and we're, we come down this big hill to this creek, and I'm talking... Normally, it might not have been that bad, but it was almost a river. And we had to run down this creek for 200 yards. And, of course, it was muddy. You couldn't see anything. Was that where Catherine and Charlie were? So I was about halfway down doing my best. And I mean, it was over the front fender in times. So you're trying to get to the sides where it's hopefully more shallow. I was looking for moving water. I I got to a spot where there was no water moving and I immediately turned left. (laughs) (laughs) So the coolest part of that, just what you mentioned, um, Catherine and Charlie from the Trials Training Center were there in a side-by-side. Every time I went by, they yelled at me. Um, then the last time, I thought I was so cool because I got way high up to the left, out of the creek. I did the same every lap. So I kept going, kept going. I was like, I got past. Run out of real estate. I ran out of real estate, and luckily Catherine yelled at me before I got to like a five-foot drop straight back in, and I was able to turn in. So it was a good little bike wash, and uh, it was right before scoring, and then you got to Copperhead Creek. So where I was going with my mental problem I get to scoring, and this is all on GoPro. I'm going to have to take it out. I did some complaining about nobody taking the hard line. <laughs> so I go 50 feet up. Sorry, Gary. Yeah, sorry, Gary. But Gary, he helped me out. So we got, I got to this one spot, and Will said, when you get here, when we walked it that morning, you need to go to the right, come back to the left, hit this rock, and launch up this rock face. So I was like, all right, I got there. There's a pretty deep water hole below it. So I got there, and I just half-heartedly thought, I'll just ride right up. And, no. and so I just... My bike didn't explode when I thought it would explode right up. It fell off backwards. No big deal. Nothing that hadn't happened before. Well, my bike went on its top and then on its side. I picked it up. Wouldn't start. 
So I ended up pushing it back down to scoring, and luckily Gary and a couple guys helped me. It was pretty cool. If you've ever seen a TPI video on how to get your drowned bike, like the water out and get it started, they did that exact procedure on my carbureted bike, and it worked. No plug removal. We just took the air filter out. So so ring the air filter out, stand the bike straight up. Leave the air filter out, but ring it out. Stand it straight up and leave it in gear and roll it back and forth. So if there's any water in there, it'll force it out. And it, it dumped a lot out the exhaust. <laughs> we did that and then leave it up there and try to start it. So you just put it back in neutral. Put it back in neutral and, and probably 30 seconds. And then it almost started and it wouldn't stop. And we couldn't figure out what it was. I'm like, there's no gas running out. I turned the gas off because uh, I laid it down. So you turn the, the gas Actually, back on. that might be... A good move is to leave the gas off until it starts to hit, and then turn the gas on. Well, but it, it saved me a that bunch way. You're of time. not polluting our creeks. Oh yes. Well, we pushed it clear from the creek at this point. Okay, good. We were, we were outside, so. Did you have some right. cat litter? Yes, <laughs> I kicked some of that fine dirt over <laughs> you've been talking about. Um, but no, so it worked because for me, I can't get my spark plug out hardly without taking a tank off. Like it's just quicker for me to rip yep. the tank off. Yeah, it's three bolts. Well, and the TPI bikes are even worse if you got to take a spark plug out. Yeah, if just you if you off. have like miniature baby hands. Yeah, or the, really, the, the enduro memes people should make a meme about trying to take a spark plug out <laughs> and have a guy with like tiny little baby hands. We just need our kids. Like, hey, if you got kid hands, <laughs> but yeah, if you guys haven't followed enduro memes on Instagram, they. Uh, yeah, they are highly entertaining. He, whoever's doing that, is killing it. That's yeah. that's pretty funny stuff. Well, all right, well, let's get to I guess upcoming schedule. What uh, what's next? Oh, we need to talk about one of the races, but let's get to it. Talk about one of the races. What do you mean? Well, on the upcoming schedule, we've got some details on one of them. Okay, yeah, the next race um, is the weekend of June twentieth um, in Winchester, Tennessee. This is actually I think it's called the Sasquatch GPS race. Is that yes. right? I believe so. Yeah, and the Sasquatch GPS is down at CMRA. Yep. Um, there was actually a race there not not too long ago. Feels like forever now. And it's a, the Grizzly, probably three months ago. Yeah, I guess it was a while. COVID stuff. But anyways, it's, what, a 45-mile guided GPS event? So, yes, it is a GPS race. It's going by your typical bronze, gold, and silver um, classes. Sorry, had a little brain fart. Um the gold loop is 40 miles. The bronze loop is 35 miles. So that is, it doesn't say anything about how long the silver is. So I'm I, I would assuming, assume it's yeah, the gold. They're, they're falling in gold. Um, there's going to be three checkpoints. Um, the interesting thing is it starts at 8 a.m. Central time. So it's going to be an early start, but I think they're planning it's going to be a long That's day. That's like a 10-hour kind of day, maybe. I mean, 40 miles on hard enduro. So at the COVID <gasps> crusher. We went 12 miles in four hours. My heart rate was, or my watch was on for three hours and 33 minutes, and I did 11.1 miles. Exactly. And there was probably a little transferring in there. Right. So that's going to be a long day, and it's, it just said there's an eight-hour cutoff. Once again, weather will be a factor. Uh, yes. And as we learned at the Grizzly, um, CMRA has anything you could want. It's south of, kind of what, southwest of TTC, very similar terrain. I think I drew a line on Google Maps from the Trials Training Center to... CMRA and mm-hmm. it was like 25 miles like as a crow flies. yeah in a wow. straight line so it's pretty much the same slick rocks um, the other interesting thing is how they're going to do starting um, because of the GPS race it's kind of unfair to be out it's a disadvantage to be in the front because you're breaking trail kind of like I'm sure I will draw row one <laughs> I don't even have to look at the thing I will I will be taken off at eight o'clock I guarantee you <laughs> Well, hopefully you will. So, and we've never done a GPS race, and I'm I'm kind of on the fence about it. Like my family's going to be out of town, so I'm I've got the green light. So I've got to get another GPS because I so only have got, one. I've only got one as well. Can I just borrow yours and then you maybe we we'll just team up? We we'll just follow each other. <laughs> so I've got to do that, and I've got to get some of those two ride mounts. I guess that's the ticket. Okay, I've got one of them, maybe. Yeah. Our, anyway, so I think uh, Lorem Levy is yes, that his name, and that's who makes them. If you're listening to this, um, you need to sponsor our podcast, and yes. uh, we'll, we'll help sell some of these for, for this race. But uh, well, honestly, my biggest problem and my biggest concern is I break a lot of stuff. Like, yeah, I fall down a lot. We all know that. So I just hope I have two GPSs at the end of the race. Yeah, and, and I think that's the ticket because these things are like padded and they're yep. bolted to your. You know, triple clamp. Yeah, or triple, not your triple clamp. Your handlebars, your bars, and um, I, I think they even have it if you're running like the XC gear. Um, yes, the whatever Mako 360. There you go. I was thinking sharp bike, but that's wrong. 
There's a shark bite in the Mako 360. Boom. There you go. I knew it had something to do with that. Um, and then, so, basically, the top five in points will start on row 20, around row 20, to keep it as even as possible. See, I don't know about that, because if all those guys kind of start together, they're just going to be gravy training through there. I don't... It, it says top five in points in gold, silver, and bronze standings will start on row 20. So, I guess there's going to be three riders to a row... 45 seconds apart, and there'll be a gold rider on each row, a bronze rider on each row, and a silver rider Do on the each rows row. all go together? Uh, no, 45 seconds apart. So it would be like row one, gold, silver, bronze, go. Row two, gold, silver, bronze, go. Okay, but the, the whole row starts at the same time. Yes. Huh. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I, like, like you said, I've never done this exact style of GPS event. Um, we've never done any, have we? Well, we've, we've participated. Okay. So it'll be something, you know, and hopefully we'll have something good to talk about. So after that, things really start getting heated up. We said that was, what, June 20th? Yeah, June 20th, and then there's a one-week break, and then, I mean, you know what hits the fan. Um, July 4th, weekend, Tough Like Roar, might be my favorite race. Um, Those guys, the reading off-road riders, do such an awesome job. Um, Rob Bone. Uh, I'm sure we don't know all the other guys that no, may a major play a major role in that race, but man, you talk about a well put on event. Yep, and it, it is. It's going to be two day event again. And according to Rob, ever since this COVID thing, he was furloughed some, and he was like, "I've just been up there making things harder." And <laughs> and that was something we said. You know, it was an 18 mile loop last year with a lot of single track in it, and and there was some is- not issues, but a lot of people said, "Hey, make it a little shorter, make it harder." Which, neither one of us finished. We were close, but I just want the finisher's gold medallion. Well, and I think there were like 10 finishers last year. Sounds right. 10 or 11. But, you know, just their style, I don't think they like that. It's kind of like if Erzberg has a bunch of finishers one year, the next year there's not going to be finishers. Yep. I, yep. Would agree with that. So, they've, they've made it shorter by three miles and added a lot of hard sections. So, we know Cody Webb signed up. Yep. I know Max has signed up. We know Max Gearson signed up. I know... Quinn, Nick, they're going to be there. The question is, what about the foreigners? Yep, and and this will really play heavily when we start talking about TKO in a minute. But you know, last year we had Wade, but Wade was doing the whole American Hard Enduro series, and then we should also say Tough Like Roar is the first round. It's the first round of the EEC, the yep. AMA East Extreme Championship Series, presented by Sherco. Presented by Sherco. Um, so. And, and since most of the West, the WEC got canceled, they had one race. They had one round. Yes. And then the next... The King of Motos, that's what they had. The next round of the WEC will actually be after TKO. Yep. Which Red is Lever. the dual East, EEC, West, combined. WEC combined in yep. Texas. So, really, WEC is, is kind of done until after TKO. So, EEC, Tough Like Roar, first round, July 4th. Then we get one week off, and then right after that, we're heading to Ohio for Fallen Timbers. Yep, and then, unfortunately, and I was super bummed because I was so looking forward to going to Michigan for the Mad Moose, they have scheduled themselves between Fallen Timbers and Battle of the Goats. So it was supposed to go Fallen Timbers, we had a weekend off, and then we had Battle of the Goats. Well, now it's going Fallen Timbers the next weekend Mad Moose. in Mad Moose in Michigan, then straight from there to Battle of the Goats. Yeah, so combined distance, I mean, that's that's like 1,500, 2,000 miles between those three races. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it, it'll be – I think it Mad Moose will be much better being in July, hopefully, because I've heard they had a really – Snowy. Snowy spring up there. Like, they were getting snow late. I mean, even in Pennsylvania. So, it might have been a good thing it's postponed, but again, I just don't like the timing of it as to where it falls in the schedule. But, hey, nothing. at least we're going racing. Yeah, and, and they're just dealing with so many scheduling conflicts right now. I'm sure a lot of these weekends are going to, you know, just be falling right on GNCC, National Enduro. You know, there's just everybody step on everybody's it, toes right now. Well, I mean, it... it it is what it is. The good news is everyone wants to race. Yep. There's some races now. Yep. Um, I know the GNCC, what, two weekends ago had over a 1,000 bikes on Sunday. Yeah, well over. So, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's great. Everyone's ready to get out and go racing. So, once again, Fallen Timbers is the 18th weekend. Mad Moose is the 25th weekend. Then Battle of the Goats is the next weekend, August 1st weekend. Yep. And I guess Battle of the Goats is going to have a prologue now. Is that right? So... 
it's not going to be a prologue. It's going to be more of a qualifying race. Um, and traditionally, Tyler raced on Saturday. Well, now he's moved the race to Sunday. And on Saturday, it's going to be like a five-mile loop, um, not some of the pro lines. And you've got to do three laps on that five-mile loop on Saturday, and that'll set the starting order for Sunday. Then that is it, way, Is it going to be dry? No. it's never. I've never been to that place and it's been dry. <laughs> Maybe once, but it, there was not a race there. Right. So... That'll set the start in order. Then on Sunday, there's not going to be any A, B, pro, amateur lines. It's like one course on Sunday. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so that'll be that's a little change. Um, I know Fallen Timbers in the past, it was a Sunday race. They're talking about maybe some two-day stuff or maybe something a little more. Um, I don't think they've exactly figured it out either. Um, well, time, time to figure then, it out. So one other thing we found out last couple days is the weekend after battle of the goats august 7th 8th and 9th graham jarvis is going to be over at the rock crusher adam mccluskey's place doing some clinics and i think a dual sport ride so it makes me wonder i think graham might come in a week early do battle the goats that'd be sick that and then do tko so well and the other bit of kind of great news there is that graham is planning on coming into the country so to me that means all these West riders may be able to make it into the country for TKO. That's, and that's what the big question is. And I heard something the other day, Supercross is firing back up that there is a pro athlete exemption that can get them into the country. That's nice. So, you know, maybe I'm sure they have to be tested. Maybe they have to be quarantined. Who knows? (laughs) Um, but I don't know. We'll see. But I mean, again, this was supposed to be a huge year. And I mean, most of the West rounds have been canceled, right? Or postponed. Um, I think they've only canceled one. Okay. From what I, from what I've seen, Erzberg's canceled, and I can pull up their the Iron West schedule while we wait. Yeah, but I mean, God, such a bummer! Like we'd finally gotten TKO to, I think, a good level, and and you know, we on well, not we. I just speak (laughs) we as in the whole community because it's like we're growing the sport, we're trying to get it bigger, and then we found it's finally been put on the main stage. And all of this happens. Yeah. So now the West schedule is Romaniacs, which is at the end of July. Yep. So that might actually, yeah, that's the weekend of Mad Moose, um, or the week, week of Mag, yeah. Mad Moose. Then TKO. So ah, man, maybe maybe those guys will come over before um, TKO yeah. after Romaniacs to come to Battle of the Goats. That would be so awesome to see like Johnny Walker and Billy Bowl, and- any of those guys. So then after that, they're doing Hawkstone Park. Um, that's in September. So I guess they just bumped everything back. Then Exo yep. Ligaris is October 2nd. And then Hispania in up. Spain is the next weekend in October. Yep. So man. only five rounds. Yep. That means TKO is worth a lot more point-wise than it was before. Well, and it looks like, looking at the schedule, those are all pretty hard races. It's Hawkstone right? Park is more of a cross-country okay. GNCC so type four out, race. four out of five. Four out of five are hard Enduros. Yeah, I like that's interesting. Um, right. But it, we'll see. And I know there's been some talk of postponing Romaniac, Romaniacs. They're hopeful they can do it, but it's like we're hopeful, but we're thinking about another day. So looking at this, looking at our schedule, I wonder what Cody Webb's going to do. Is he going to run oh. all these American races or is he going to do the West? I don't know. So he definitely, if he goes to do Romaniacs, he is definitely going to miss the Mad Moose. He'd probably miss Fallen Timbers as well because yeah. you can't, yeah, he's, he's you can't get, get over, over there. there. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that's a question a, for Cody. We might have to ask him, see what he says. Well, and I don't know what Colton, Colton Haker's doing. I hadn't really heard anything about his schedule. No, he has not signed up for Tough Like Roar. Okay. Um, I haven't seen much out there. He's living in Idaho now, I believe. Nice. Um, okay. Well... That was it. Anything else on our uh, on our our list of stuff to talk about? We were gonna also Mario Roman and Cody Webb are doing a class the day after TKO or yep. the two days after TKO. It's, I think it's just one day after TKO, and it's like Mario's doing instruction in the morning, Cody's doing it in the afternoon, and it, it's pretty affordable. I think it was a couple hundred bucks for nice. the day. Um, and so I think if you guys need information on that, reach out to us, and we can put you in contact with. Uh, Justin? J-Lo, who was in charge of it. He did it last year. Good deal. Um, well, I guess that's it for now. Um, I'm ready to ride some. I'm, I'm a little 
I'm still a little bit sore. I'm racing mountain bikes yeah. tonight. We'll see how that goes. Oh. I actually, so this is random for me, and this is probably not podcast material, but my bottom is really chafed. And it didn't really start bothering me until last night. I told my wife, I'm like, we're three days from the race, and I've got some chafage I'm just noticing. So Some missing skin? There's still skin, but it's just tender skin. But And then the other thing, so you sent out a, a message this morning. Kenda has got tires back in stock. Yay. Got two new tires. The gnarly and the gauntlet, and so we're trying to get some of those tires and and figure out which ones we like and which ones. We yeah, can if, run. if anyone has experience with the gnarly and the gauntlet, yep. um, let us know. Yep. What, and we, what kind of what kind of terrain do they work on? Well, and the, really the fronts. We knew about the rears. Well, um, I, I think only one of them has a front. Okay. Um, I, maybe it's the gnarly. We can look it up. Yep. But so yeah, if anybody knows anything about those two tires. We're excited. Like I said, they've been on, I don't want to say back order. They just hadn't been available until now. And they've been a little slow to get here with everything going on. Well, and on a kind of a tangent, um, USWE hooked us up with some awesome packs. Oh, yes. So they're the Ranger 9s. Yep. No, and I got the out, Outlander 9. You got the Ranger 9. Okay. Well, they're both 100 liter, 100 <laughs> liters. That'd be <laughs> I was big. Like, wow. It's like 100 ounces. 100 ounces of hydration yep. with. Tool storage, yes. um, plenty of storage for snacks, yep. whatever Gloves. you want. And while I was, you know, after this race the other day, I'm checking out my pack. I, I had to high pressure wash it because the thing was Did the same. freaking caked. Yeah. And I'm looking at my zipper and I'm thinking, man, this is bad. The dirt and grime combined with this water. The main thing that fails on any pack I've ever had are the zippers. Mm-hmm. So I found some Yeti cooler lubricant for the zipper. Okay. And I put the, it's it's lube. It's mm-hmm. maybe it's just Vaseline. I don't know. I put it all over the freaking zipper, hoping that, that this will prolong, prolong the, life. the life of this thing. Because I mean, these packs are sweet. I I hate losing a pack just because you lose a zipper. Because yeah. once the zipper's done, I don't know how to repair it. Yeah. Well, it's you're done. And most of the time, by the time in the past, I've been running their packs for two or three years now. And usually by the time the zipper's going out, everything else is wearing out. Fortunately. Yeah, like it has. I've got two that still had some life left. That blew them out. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And well, I'm notoriously bad on zippers. Just ask my wife. Not very, um, <laughs> not very smooth. Like, Don't be so rough. Oh, we can just let that one go. But yeah, so we're we're fortunate. And I, I hate wearing a fanny pack with tools in it and a camelback. So it's so nice for me to have everything in one. Yeah, in in my old age, I've started wearing my lumbar support <laughs> brace. Um, brace. It used to be, oh, you're wearing a kidney belt to protect your kidney. No, I'm yeah. wearing a lower back support, yeah. like girdle, yeah. and whatever whatever gets you out there. <laughs> so I recommend it if you've got lower back problems. Just oh. Steve Thaxton, Thaxton can probably give you more tips on that. Yeah, and hopefully straighten you out. Right on. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for listening, and hopefully we'll uh, hear back from some of you guys. See you on the trail. See you.